The following podcast is brought to you by Crosswinds Golf and Country Club in Burlington. Just 45 minutes from downtown Toronto, Crosswinds is a hidden gem. The people at Crosswinds make golfing there a unique experience. They treat you like royalty, like you're a member of a private club. Hello there, Mr. Boot. Hello there, Mr. Hebsher. Nice to have you. Uh, Crosswinds, though, is open to the public. Reasonable prices, excellent facilities, and a really great place to relax and enjoy the natural beauty of the Niagara Escarpment. And it is absolutely lovely, especially at this time of year. And if you're planning a wedding or a special event, you've got to check out Crosswinds. They've got fantastic facilities there. Book your tea time online and save big. Go to crosswindsgolf.com. Tell them Hebsey sent you. Now, let's begin the podcast. And welcome to Hebsey on Sports, episode number, Bullet Bob Hayes, Mike Bossy, Jim Palmer, Jimmy Key, and John Sally, I'm, and Rick Vive. I'm your, <laughs> I'm your host, Mark Hepsher, alongside Toronto Mike, and today on the show, Kawhi Leonard says nice things about Toronto after signing with the Clippers. Troy Tulowitzki says nice things about Toronto upon announcing his retirement, and he's going to still get $38 million from the Jays. You know, I thought he retired a long time ago. I was not shocked. I was shocked when I heard this. What? I thought it happened months ago. Uh, Novak Djokovic says nice things about Montreal and then withdraws from the Rogers Cup. And on Hockey Confidential, brought to you by Titan Blades, the Maple Leafs trade a D-man for a D-man. Nothing new on the Mitch Marner front, although he always says nice things about Toronto because he's from Toronto. We think he wants to stay in Toronto, but not for less money than he deserves. That ongoing story and much more. And Marcus Stroman's long, painful farewell tour. Every time he pitches, this could be the last time you see. This could be the last time Marcus Stroman wipes his nose at the Rogers Center. This could be enough already. (laughs) He's got at least, well, he's got one more start prior to the trade deadline, which is next Wednesday. And everybody's on spilkas, on, you know, uh, on eggshells. What's going to happen? And everybody wants Marcus Stroman traded, it seems. Even Marcus Stroman is saying, they they don't want to sign me. They're, they're intent on trading me and all that stuff. So we'll, we'll get into that soap opera uh, as well. And, and the other thing is, do you, uh, like, if you love him, do you love him long time? Do you love him long term? Or do you just love him a little bit so you can get trade, you know, trade chips for him? Uh, first, though, I took a little trip to the United States of America this week, uh, specifically Dayton, Ohio, where we visited friends, played a little golf, and I saw a concert featuring my favorite band, Los Lobos, who you just heard there. Now... What's Mike? What's the longest you've ever traveled to go see a concert? Hamilton. Cop. Really? That's not far. <laughs> so you travel like an hour, forty-five minutes to an hour. Yeah, whatever it is, the cops. Right. So, but you've never like gone and said, you know, like I, I drove eight hours. Oh, it was Barry far further than I've yeah, been to Barry many times okay. for concerts. I, I, we drove eight hours. We're thinking about this, like we're Just stuck for the in concert. We're stuck in. Well, pretty. We we based it around the concert, and see, that's the thing is. So it's not it's not like let's say you're on vacation and you, you while you're there you know that there's a band you want to see that's different you plan the vacation we right. planned the vacation around the concert not even a vacation we were we left on Monday afternoon after the show and we came back uh, Wednesday so like we were you know we stayed like two nights the Monday night and the Tuesday I saw the concert Tuesday night got up on Wednesday morning drove back so it was like eight hours to go to see a concert and I thought who who does stuff like this <laughs> who who spent who goes that? Kevin what's the longest you've ever gone the, to travel to see a concert. Yeah, see, is Barry Hamilton? Yeah, Barry many times, Molson Park, for sure. Well, we went to Dayton, Ohio, and let me tell you, Dayton, Ohio, not a a cool place, necessarily. (laughs) But to get there... It's no Nashville. To get there on I-75 is like, oh my God, it's mind-numbing. And what they do is they, I guess they just decide on certain days that they're going to close most of the highway down. And I'm pretty sure I saw 65% of all the trucks in America... Uh, during my trip uh, up and down I-75 from, um, from Michigan all the way down to southern Ohio near Cincinnati. That's where Dayton is. And man, that's a long time to travel, but it was worth it. It was worth seeing Los Lobos. Do you want to hear a little bit from your show? I would. Come on, y'all. Everybody has a good time at a Los Lobos concert. Everybody is up, standing, dancing, you know, get, get up, clap. It was great. Uh, a lot of fun and um, always enjoy spending time with the guys. But I thought about it. I said, you know, she's like, what, am I a nut? <laughs> like, who drives eight hours Let me ask to see you a concert and then spends the night and then drives eight hours home? 
did your date enjoy the show? Oh, they, everybody enjoyed the show. There were five. It's fantastic. And the guys took pictures with us and everything like that. And, of course, they do the theme to uh, Hebsey on Sports that's called Do the Murray. Uh, but, you know, I thought about it. I mean, I mean especially at my age, you know, who, who does that? But, you know, <laughs> but I, I, I mean, I've done it before with sport. I mean, I know people, for example, from Western Canada, they'll drive. They don't even think about driving 8, 10, 12, 15 hours to go see the Jays and Twins in Minnesota. Right. Or, or, or the Minnesota Vikings or something like that. Like, they're just used to long trips like that. You know, we here from Toronto, anything more than like an hour is like, well, oh, geez. Because of the vast majority of acts we want to see true. come to Toronto. That's true. That's true. So anyway, uh, spend 80 hours. So uh, here's the other thing. Mm, best way I can describe this. Canadians, when it comes to sports and stuff like that, we're, we think nationally. If a Canadian is doing well in any, anything, in sports, in entertainment, a hit record, whatever it is, you know, we're, you know, hey, that's a Canadian. In America, they don't think that way at all. It's regionally. You're from Ohio. You're, a, you're an Ohio State fan, right? Right. We don't care about you're from Pennsylvania. Screw Penn State. Or, oh, you're from Michigan. Screw the Wolverines, right? It's very regional down there. And here it's like, you know, if, if anyone's got any relationship to Canada, we hang on to that person. Right. We don't care what part of Canada. Adam Hadwin's from BC. It doesn't matter. He's Canadian, right? But if you ask somebody in Ohio, if they care about somebody in Kentucky or Tennessee, they couldn't care less right. if it doesn't relate to them. And so as we're driving through Dayton, Ohio, we drive by this big high school. And like the high schools there have like thousands of kids. And they've got summer football practice. Now, I didn't know you were allowed to do this. I mean, the teachers are supposed to be off for the summertime. I don't know who runs the practices, but the players are all in full uniform doing the nutcracker drill. And on the field, on the other field, are 200 to 300 members of the school's marching band. And they're practicing in full regalia. They got wow. the hats on, they got the outfits on, the marching shoes, the whole deal. And they're practicing, you know, the, the, the Ohio State fight song and whatever else marching bands play. Are you sure that's not school time? Like other parts of the world have different like school calendars. No, I know what you mean, but no, they're not going to school. Okay. This is practice. You know, I mean, I guess it's voluntary You don't, if you want to make the team. Because some Americans start in like yes, uh, they do. There's certain, August. Certain jurisdictions. But in this particular case, no, I didn't think that on the 24th of July or whatever <laughs> the date was that uh, they were in school because I didn't see any other students that looked like. But I'm thinking, boy, this would never happen in Canada. Right. There's no way <laughs> in the middle of like, you know, school va uh, summer vacation that, you know, unless you want to be a pro, that you're going to go and work out for the, you know, the high school football <laughs> team and the marching band. We don't have the marching bands thing. We have a couple of the Burlington teen tour band. But I'm talking about this is the marching band from the school tryouts in july high school you've seen friday night lights it's a I, big deal yeah it was unbelievable and you could hear the sound like for blocks away what's that sound you know, oh that's the ohio state fight song let's dot the i everybody it's crazy they're just nuts there if you're from ohio and you're not an ohio state fan or you know okay so football's the big sport what's the what's, what's the number two sport in ohio? well I, well i would say that after that i would say you know it depends on on where you're from like if you're from dayton you're a cincinnati reds fan you're not a Cleveland Indians fan, necessarily. If you're from Columbus, you're probably a Yankees fan or a Pittsburgh Pirates fan because the Columbus Clippers are the Yankees AAA team. And Pittsburgh isn't that far, and you could be a, a, you know, a Pittsburgh uh, Steelers fan. So but that's how regional it is. If you're from Canada, you're a Jays fan, for the most part. I mean, if you're from Eastern Canada, you might be a Red Sox fan, or depending on where you grew up, right. you're a Minnesota Twins fan. But or for the or most like part, I know there's like a guy I know from London who yeah. grew up a Tigers fan. There you like go, because that's right. Yeah. You know why? You get all the Tigers games on TV from London, right? All the Detroit stations. Uh, anyway, so yeah, very, very, very regional there. Very regional. And here, very national. That's the one thing I kind of figured out. What was going on? Well, I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, lost oh, I, didn't, I, didn't say I, I didn't say I had a good time. <laughs> Spending all that time on the road is mind-numbing, okay? Folks, let me tell you, don't I-75, you know, all through Ohio is just, oh, my God. I mean, look, oh, there's Neil Armstrong's hometown. Like Man on the Moon, Indiana. No, Man on the Moon, Ohio, or something like that. Well, right in time for the 50th anniversary. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they, uh, they definitely did. So, and, I drove, and I drove eight hours to see a concert, and, and, and it, was, it was nine hours on the way back. Never coming back to Toronto on the 401 is, is retarded. It's a bad word to use, but it's just, you've got to be out of your mind to even think of that. And next time I do it, I go at like midnight. So that I don't have to go through the city of Toronto at, during daylight because the traffic is so bad. Okay, uh, the other night, Marcus Stroman continued his farewell tour by throwing seven strong innings at the Cleveland Baseball Club. That's in honor of Jerry Howarth, right? <laughs> the Cleveland Baseball Club. Unfortunately for Stroman, Shane Bieber tossed a one-hit shutout at the Jays. Did you see I almost said one shit hut out there? But I said one hit shutout. Did you notice that? No relation to Justin. Uh, no, no relation at all. And so the Jays lost four nothing. Now after the game, you know, if I mean, if Stroman had been the winning pitcher, or Stroman had outpitched the other pitcher, 
then I, I'd be okay with him kind of puffing out his chest and saying, you know, I'm, I'm dominant. But but in, but instead, you know, the quote after the game was from Stroman. Um, uh, there's no willingness from the front office to sign me, and I've come to terms with it, and I'm ready to dominate wherever that may be. Absolutely dominate. End quote. Yeah, I read that. Why does that quote bother you? Well, because the guy who dominated was the guy on the other team. Well, he, I mean, Bieber, on, on, a, on a night where Bieber dominated, throwing a one-hitter, you can't say dominate. He did the dominating. You no. pitched well. In the future, he will dominate you for whatever well. team he plays You for. need to know when to shut your mouth at the right time. You need to know uh-huh. when to be humble and kind of, you know, like you don't need to say at this particular point, by the way, Stroman, you lost the game. Your team lost four to nothing. You lost the game. You pitched seven innings. Any old-timer will say, big deal. You threw seven innings. Whip-de-doo. Ferguson Jenkins threw 30 complete games one year, and you threw seven innings? But this is the way baseball would say. But not on the night where the opposing pitcher throws a complete game see, one hitter. I have to say this bugs me a bit that I see people on social media and people with opinions like yourself that seem to be, uh, they don't like it when Marcus Stroman throws that passion out there and and, and kind of does that, that whole height doesn't measure hard and that whole, that right. whole kind of, you know, pompous, like he's got a lot of confidence, which I like the swagger Marcus Stroman yeah. has. I like the guy's passion for the city and for, you know, quote unquote dominating. I I love it. And a lot of people seem to want him to shut up and pitch. I, I you know, I'll be honest, Mike, and I've said it on the show before. There were times where, you know, what he said and his actions, you know, bugged me a bit, but I've come to terms with the fact that the guy's a competitor and also too, he's five foot eight in a game where everybody's six, three and six, four, and he's a pitcher. And he's right. been told since day one, you're too small. And, you know, it goes along the lines of my book, the George Orton story, the greatest athlete you've never heard of, where they said to him, you're never going to walk again. You're, you're never going to. And, you know, some people will, you know, hear that and say, I guess you're right. And others are going to say immediately, I'll show you. And Marcus Stroman is kind of an I'll show you kind of a guy. And he seems to be doing OK. And he's and if ever there was a time to pitch well, now's the time. But on a, on a night where you just got one hit by another guy, you really can't. You, you need to shut your mouth. But he did pitch a, a strong game. He did. He it's did. not like he but bombed com- out there. He probably no, no, wouldn't no. have made that statement. But if comparatively did. speaking, he had to kind of go, oh, but mind you, the guy, even if he would have said, I want to dominate out there like Shane Bieber did to us, that would have been okay because Bieber did dominate. Not the first time Bieber has dominated. <laughs> um, so this Marcus Stroman story has kind of come, kind of been like a Kawhi Leonard situation. Where is he going to go? Not the same because, you know, they don't have to trade him. But we knew that Kawhi had to make a decision. But it's sort of the decision is going to come from the front office. Will we trade him? Will we not trade him? And the fact that one story came out, and again, I don't know who the sources are here. They're speculating. But somebody said, well, apparently the Jays have told other teams that they might not trade Stroman. So, like, Mike, would I call you if I was a general manager say, hey, Mike, you're the Yankees. I I just want to let you know we might not trade Stroman. Am I going to do that? I'm going to call you to say we might not trade him? What? And, and, and you're going to, and I'm hoping that you're going to say, oh, no, no, please trade him to us. We'll give you anything you want. <laughs> it is a, s- a smart bargaining chip to suggest that we don't have to remind uh, the people you're dealing with that we don't actually have to trade this asset uh, just because it helps sweeten the pot. <laughs> trade this asset? <laughs> no, I like the guy. Uh, I'd like to keep him here. But uh, I, I think that that's a, obvious that right. a team's going to say that. You don't want to say, oh, we have to get rid of this guy now. Yeah. Suddenly you get less in return. So how many times have you heard sportscasters, red sports writers, and the quote uh, is something to this effect. In what may be his final dot, 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 dot. Appearance at home, appearance on the road, start, blah, blah, blah. Do you know what it reminds me of? Do you know what it reminds me of? How many years in a row have we said Vince Carter might be playing his last game in Toronto? Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, the one I can think of was Daryl Sittler many years ago. When Daryl Sittler and Lanny McDonald and Mike Palmateer and Boris Salming and Ian Turnbull, back in the late 70s, for those of you who weren't around, were stalwarts on the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the team, it seemed that the team was very close to, you know, getting to the next level. They may not have beaten the Montreal Canadiens, probably didn't, wouldn't have beaten them in those days, but they had a pretty good team. Knocked off the Islanders one year in the quarterfinals. Anyway, what happened was Harold Ballard and the GM at the time, Punch Imlach, didn't like the way Daryl Sittler and Lanny McDonald kind of ran the clubhouse, the dressing room. It was like a country club. And Imlac decided, because he was a spiteful man, that he was going to trade Daryl Sittler. He couldn't trade Sittler because Sittler had a no-trade clause. But Lanny McDonald did not have a no-trade. And these two were, and still are, very, very close. So he traded Lanny McDonald. He traded Lanny McDonald and Joel Quenville to the Colorado Rockies, who are now the New Jersey Devils, for Wilf Paymont and Pat Hickey. 
and fans just scream. And Sittler was like, you sons of bitches. Yeah. You bastards. You traded my best friend. And for the next two years, it took over two years for the Leafs to trade Sittler before he finally agreed, you know, to give up his no trade clause or they could make a deal. In fact, he wanted them to make a deal. Like, right, he said, get me out of here. And they, well, we can't get enough for you. We wanted more for you. We decided to keep you. You know, it was that kind of, and it just dragged on and on and on until finally they ended up trading to Philadelphia in a deal that netted them, I find that Ken Strong, uh, Rich Costello, and then the rights to Peter Inachak, who turned out to be a, you know, a reasonable hockey player. Um, but I just remember it dragging out. Like, are they going to trade Sittler? Are they going to trade Sittler? Another day, this could be Sittler's last game as a man. This could be Sittler's last game as a man. And on and on and on. It took over two years. So I hope that doesn't happen with Stroman. I hope that obviously by the trade deadline, if, if they haven't signed him to an extension and they haven't traded him, now you're walking on thin ice because his value now, it, 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 you know, it, it, not that it goes down, it's you have less time to make a deal because he's under team control for all of next year and then he becomes a free agent. Right. So you got to do something with him. So that's, this, that's what the scenario okay, is like. So, Hebsey, what do you think? Do you think he just pitched his last game in a Blue Jays uniform? No, no, I don't. I think the Jays are going to ask a hell of a lot, as they should, and I don't think other teams are going to pony up the way the um, the way the Pittsburgh Pirates ponied up for Chris Archer, I mean they gave they had two major league ready pitchers that they gave um, Tampa Pittsburgh did and another that's doing very well in Double uh, A, two you know so you're talking about three pretty blue chip prospects for Chris Archer. Now if if the Yankees or whoever you know will give up you know that type of return for Stroman then then they have to make the deal because they're looking at the future. But the way I look at it, Stroman's 28 years of age and you know mm-hmm. especially now and he's in good shape. He's not one of those guys who looks, he's kind of portly there, you know, by the time he's 32. He's, look, Mark Burley pitched until he was, what, 37 or 38, whatever. Right. Stroman is not a, uh, a hard thrower per se. He's not a strikeout pitcher. He's a ground ball pitcher. His ground ball rate is the best in the major leagues. More guys get out on ground balls against Marcus Stroman than any other. He's given up 10 home runs this year, none on the road. He's given up zero road home runs, all right? That's pretty impressive. Yeah. The guy can pitch. And so he's a big chip, and everyone's looking at guys like him and Madison Bumgarner, except he's 28. Right. So I liked it. I looked, did a little searching, and I looked up uh, the name Louis Tiant. Have you heard of Louis Tiant? Yeah, before? I watched the 30 for 30 documentary right, on him. Right. So Louis Tiant joined the Red Sox in the early 70s at the age of 30. But prior to that, he was a fireballer of a pitcher. He won 20 games one year and led the league in the ERA, and the next year he lost 20 games. And they traded him, and then Minnesota released him, and then someone else signed him, and they released him, and he caught on with the Red Sox at the age of 30. All right? And so from that point forward, he was the dominant pitcher for the Red Sox. He was their, their best starter. He won more games than any other Red Sox starters. And what happened was along the way, players like Freddie Lynn, Jim Rice, Dwight Evans, Carlton Fisk, Bill Lee, Reggie Cleveland, Rick Burleson, all developed in the Red Sox system. All the while, Tion is your number one anchor pitcher. They could have traded him. They said, no, 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 no. And so from the ages of 30, 31, through to the age of about 35, 36, he was one of the best pitchers in the American League. And he was the, one of the main reasons why the Red Sox could develop uh, a team around a starting pitcher. It was actually him and Bill Lee for quite a few years there. And so I'm looking at the Blue Jays saying, okay, now they suck. But come on, 2021, 2022, Vladdy's fourth year in the league, Biggio's fourth, maybe Bichette's come along, Guriel. You know, I don't have to tell you about all the youngsters we've got. Who's your anchor pitcher going to be? Who's it going to be? Aaron Sanchez? Nope. Nate Pearson? No. Maybe. <laughs> no, 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 no. Nate Pearson is going to be your, 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 the second of your one-two punch. Your one guy is going to be your veteran guy. And so if you're telling me Stroman can't pitch till the age of 32, 33, 34, of course he can. Of course he can. And he'll probably get better. He'll probably be more effective a pitcher. He's only played six years. But there's another variable at play here. What's uh, that? Cost cutting. Like, the, the fact is, it's cheaper. I know. I know. To trade Stroman for youth. I, I've got that. I've certainly got that. And Stroman's, he's only making $7 million and, you know, he's going to ask for a lot, and does he deserve that? And, and is the team willing to pay that? But to me, if he stays healthy, he's the type of a guy who goes out there every fifth day, and he's your stopper. A stopper is a guy that stops a losing streak. A stopper is a guy that you know when he's out in the mound is going to give you seven innings, let's say, nowadays, or he's going he's gonna to be your best guy. And I'm not sure, Jay, I mean, look, I know they're not going to win this year, and they're not going to win next year. And, and you're, oh, that's a waste of Stroman. But is it a waste of Stroman? Why can't he go out there and just knock him dead like Steve did 
and be your best pitcher for a or couple years. Or even Halliday played for some bad yeah, teams. Yeah, absolutely. Why can't he be that guy? That's all I'm saying. Why can't he Can be I ask that? you now, uh, this organization, yeah. uh, like, why did Gritchick get that deal? Like, ah, like well, explain, well, you, well, you know why. You know why that deal. Tell me. Kevin Pillar got traded. Fans were upset. Let's sign Randall Gritchick. The timing was beautiful, right? Wasn't it? Didn't he sign him after that? But it's funny that or know, the, or Strowman's got to go. Like, how old's Gritch? It just seems like why? Why does Gritchick get that deal and Strowman's got to go? Oh no, no, no! Because what happened was Gritchick got that deal to to uh, soothe the fans' anger over Pilar going. Because the year before, Jay Happ, who was another favorite guy, you know, they didn't get much of a return. Because he did, they didn't have control for it. Like, that's a different right. deal. Right? But this yeah. is different. So what happened was, as soon as they traded Pilar, and people went, oh, you're trading Pilar? He was a fan favorite. I mean, I've got a Pilar jersey, a Superman jersey, all those great catches, all that. Right. So the, <laughs> then they decided, the fans are upset. Let's make them feel better. Am I making this enough? We've just signed Randall. It was like the next day, remember? It, yes, you're right. It was right. like it the was next right day. Away. We've just signed Randall Gritchick to an extension. And everyone went, oh. Okay, and so it took the pressure off of the the uh, Pilar trade, I guess. Because what are we getting the Pilar trade? Alan Hansen and Socrates Brito or something? Yeah, something Ugh. like that. Yeah, right? <laughs> so, so that left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. So they said, hey, we've just signed Randall Gritcher. So what I'm saying to you, yeah. if, if Marcus Stroman gets traded, who are they going to extend? Who are they going to say, oh, he's, he's going to be a J for the next five years to make the fans feel better? And don't, don't put it past management because they do stuff like that. Uh, the other thing, uh, Nate Pearson. So this is the deal with Nate Pearson. So last year to start the season in A-ball, he takes a line drive off the arm, breaks his arm. He, he's gone for the year. It's a complete waste of a year. So this year they're really being careful with him, really careful. He pitches two innings, he pitches four innings. He pitches three innings, he pitches two and a third innings. Maybe they stretch him out to four innings. Well, the other day they said, let's go, Nate. And he pitches five and two-thirds, no hit ball, in double A for New Hampshire. Now that's enough of a reason for fans to go, woohoo! Five and two-thirds in double A, no hits. Are you kidding me? Eight strikeouts. Bring him up. Right. Bring him up now. Trade Strowman. He's our ace. And I'm going, no, 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 no. Think of all the guys you've brought up and you've had to send down. Think of Lourdes Gurriel Jr. Brought him up, you had to send him down. Rowdy, uh, Rowdy Telez brought him up, you had to send him down. Dalton Pompey is the best example. The Jays just DFA'd him. Remember they brought him up? Remember he went through four levels of baseball in one year? Came up with the Jays? Yeah. 2014, right? And they did a documentary on him, Sportsnet, the story of Dalton Pompey. Sure, he missed his saga boy. And you got all excited because his father <laughs> used to be on the Electric Circus. Right, uh, the show. cowboy. It's all big. And now he's DFA'd. He's 26 years of age. His career basically with the Jays is over. Concussion problems, which was really sad. Yeah. But you look back and you go, geez, did they rush him up to the majors? Did they? And that's where that's my Bo Bichette thing. Do you need to rush Bo Bichette up to the majors? Do you? You can't. There's no place for him to play unless Freddie Galvis and or Eric Sogard get, gets traded. Right. Right. And they're part of a deal there. So this is all part of the building blocks of a team. But the Nate Pearson thing was great. He goes five and two thirds. I think one walk, eight strikeouts, no hits, seventy four pitches, and, they, and that's it, Nate. That's it. Seventy four. They're really taking their time. I like to see that. But at the same time, I'm wondering, are the fans going to say, bring up Nate Pearson for September? Bring up Bichette for September. Bring up the uh, TJ Zook from Buffalo. It, for they don't September. care if the fans call. The fans wanted Vladdy last September. I know. And I know they, they didn't, didn't, they didn't they even did. think about it. I know. Anyway, Bo Bichette made a key error last night in the Bison's loss. And like I said, yeah, a little more seasoning in Buffalo. No hurry bringing him up because I don't want to see him come up and have to be sent down. I would hate that. I don't want to see young kids. That happen to young kids. I don't mind if it's a marginal major leaguer who might or might not make the roster, you know, and he's got options. I'm talking about a young guy. Worked out for uh, Carlos Delgado and Roy Halladay, though. Oh, and many others that were sent down, you know, that right. were called up too, too young. And I think the best example now is Guriel. Right. This guy looks like a major leaguer to me <laughs> and a left fielder, too. He's, he, you know, think of all the left fielders we've had. Think of the bums we've had out there. Chris Colabello played some left field for a while. We had Ben Revere playing left field yes. for a while. We had Fred Lewis playing left field for a while. He had, you know, so we had some real dangerous outfielders. Right. Real bad outfielders. Even Teoscar playing left field. Yeah. Ay, ay, ay. He's a better center fielder than that. So, um, yeah, that's, that's the Blue Jays story. The Red Sox. I'm watching the Red Sox-Yankees. There was no game on last night. Right. Oh, my God, these guys play forever. Uh, yeah. right? The Red Sox scored seven runs in the first, went on to pound the Yankees 19-3 last night at Fenway. How long was that game? Do you know? Uh, three hours and 20-some-odd minutes. It was pretty short, <laughs> considering Red Sox games normally. For the third series in a row, the Yankees were forced to use a position player on the mound. Third series, this, this team's in first place by nine games. <laughs> first every, three series in a row where they're saving their bullpen. Right, because Araldis Chaplin, uh, Chap, Chapman the night before it had problems, and but anyway, so they're using position players. So last night, yeah, um, down thirteen runs in the eighth, um, uh, 
they, they put in Austin Romine to pitch. And um, he got hammered for three runs and four hits, including two home runs. Now, I, I hate seeing <laughs> I hate seeing a position player out there. I think there should be some kind of 10-run mercy rule or some kind of thing like that. No, I don't you like. Got, you got to put. I don't like the, the. I don't like this. I don't like. Well, we got no one else. We want to save our bullpen. It's the you know first, what? You would hate more than game this. Of, it's the first game of a four-game <laughs> series. I get it. First game of a four-game series. If anyway, you could really you know burn your bullpen out. Sure. But I mean, this is again every series. It's like all right, who wants to pitch? Because we're not going to use our real pitchers, mm-hmm. right? And I just I don't know. It makes a mockery but of the game. You would you know what would make a mockery of the game? A mercy rule. <laughs> You would you would be the first would guy it? to scream at scream at that if they they said okay there's that one mercy rule how about a fifteen what about a fifteen run mercy rule <laughs> no no come on they have it in Not softball in and stuff like that sure, anyway the final was nineteen the lights to three. come off and then the umps have to go home and all these things and the funny thing is is that you know you you wouldn't know it by the score but the Yankees lead the Red Sox by ten games they yeah ten games like the Red Sox are fighting it out for the wild card with Tampa with Cleveland with Oakland and the Yankees you know you think the Yankees are like geez man we we need another pitcher. Strowman. But they're not desperate for Strowman because they've got a huge lead. If they were in a battle, that's a different story. You might be able to get But Strowman you know, would be prospects. perfect there because Strowman's a, he's a big game pitcher. Everyone says that. Everyone says. Isn't he? Everyone says he'd be a natural there. He'd be a natural there. Yeah. But the thing is, the Yankees still have to give up some cake if they want to get Marcus Strowman from the Jays. Because, they, because, because um, Ross Atkins knows that if he gets anything less than fabulous prospects, the fans are just going to hammer him. Like, it, it, it doesn't matter who they trade him for. People are right off the bat, are going to go, oh, what kind of a deal was that? Because we don't want to wait for three years to find out the result. We want to find out now. Hmm. I, I, you know, but when you're in a serious rebuild and you want to, you know, get ready to lose 100 games three years in a row, all right? If you have Stroman on your staff, maybe you only lose 95 games here. <laughs> Troy Tulowitzki announced his retirement from the New York Yankees yesterday. As soon as I read the tweet, I said, wait a minute. I thought he was retired. <laughs> like, when was the last time he played? When was the last time you saw Troy Tulowitzki No, I didn't even follow him this year. I didn't even know if he was playing. But he didn't play. But we should tell the people yeah. who aren't, first of all, those watching on Periscope, we've got your jersey in the back. That's right. Here. I bought the toy. When Tulowitzki got traded, suddenly you could get a great bargain on the Tulo jersey. <laughs> and I'm the type of a guy that loves a good bargain, especially throwback, <laughs> throwback jerseys. How much and, was that jersey? Do you know? Oh, it was really cheap. It was huh? incredibly cheap. I bucks? think they paid me to take it off their hands. <laughs> what are we going to do with a Troy Tulowitzki jersey? Um, what? I was going to say, I um, I was, I'm going to assume you were a big Tulo guy. When they got him, yeah. For, weren't you? Well, he was... Think, I of, would what say he he was, Think uh, of what he did in his short tenure with the Jays. Well, when we, when we acquired him, he was what I would call a probable Hall of Famer. Like, I would put him in that. Ah, uh, he was on his way. I could like well the, have If the been, trajectory yeah, sure. had continued, he'd Absolutely. be in the Hall of Fame. Absolutely. So, of course, I was uh, excited. Yeah, but I mean, the guy couldn't walk out of his apartment without falling over and hurting himself. Although he never seemed happy. That's one thing. No, he, he, he never he seemed never seemed, right. he's, he never seemed He's happy. no Marcus Stroman. But he did say some nice things upon his retirement about the fans of Toronto, which again is this part of, you know, oh, you like us. You really like us. You love us. Right, like with Kawhi. Yeah, we'll get to Kawhi. He's a bit of a Kawhi, maybe. They well, kind of you know, hold the cards But every guy, but think about this. Every, every person that leaves a city has to say that he liked playing in the city. I mean, who goes, oh, I freaking hated it there. I'm glad to get out. That, that doesn't happen too often. <laughs> but you don't have to say anything. No, you, no but uh, it, it makes us feel good, especially us Canadians. Oh, he likes us. He liked Canada. He liked Toronto. He stayed here. His wife enjoyed the, the bakery around the corner from where they live. <laughs> Thought the neighbors were super sweet. See, that's another thing I realized is that the diff- like, like, I'm in the States and I'm in Ohio. And yeah. as soon everyone that we met that knew we were from Canada asks the same stupid questions. The same what dumb What are questions. the dumb questions? Well, you know, hockey. It's all hockey related. And, you know, you took like this out in a boot. But I realize that Canadians are, ju- we are just the same as Americans because we, when we meet Americans, we ask the same kind of questions, right? It's the same kind of a thing. Oh, uh, you're, you know, uh, whatever it is, you know, what's it like not having Raisin Bran or I, I don't know. But we, we ask, like, we're, we're curious, but, you know, it's that sort of same, that stereotype. It's like, we'll ask them about Trump. Oh, what do you think of Trump? I think that would be the big one. I think you know, we'd ask what's them it about like, What's it like living in America with Trump? Stuff like that. So, so we really are similar in that way. But what I find is, and I'm not going to mention any names, but it's like, oh, you're from Canada, huh? What do you know about baseball? Nobody ever played baseball in Canada. So rather than go, you, okay, so rather than go, yeah, so rather than go through like the this. whole, you know, how could you, be a, how could you be a baseball fan? This is in Southern Ohio near Cincinnati. How could you be a baseball fan when you're from Canada? Right? And, and think about it. Canadians could say to someone from Southern Ohio, how could you be a hockey fan? You're, you're from Ohio. Right. 
It's just, but that's it, a much better question than uh, how could you be a baseball fan from from Toronto, where there's a major league. No, no, no. But game. before that, you didn't grow up playing baseball, did you? Because you're Canada. So, but, and then then that goes to the weather, where you know, depending on where you're from, you know, it doesn't it snow all year long and all that shit, right? All that whole thing like that. But we're just as guilty. <laughs> you got you know hockey? Yeah, we got the Columbus Blue Jackets. What have they been around for like ten years? Where's yeah, your hockey history? Well, guess what? Bowling Green State University's up the road. They've uh, lots of Canadians go down and play hockey from there. Right. But we just don't think that way because we think they're a bunch of Americans that they know football <laughs> and they know baseball. There's definitely ignorance on both sides. Yes. Of yes. The and we asked our questions are just as dumb as theirs. Um, so Tulo can't play baseball anymore. And remember, uh, Tulo was the one who hit the home run off Marcus Stroman in spring training and said something to the effect of, "Well, it was especially sweet because it was against the team that." It said I couldn't play baseball anymore. And, oh, yeah, that's right. And now yeah, yeah, yeah. Troy Tulowitzki can, can't, can't play baseball anymore. Can you tell me? So his, I guess the Jays were right, but they got to pay $38 million. Yeah. They owe them $38 mil U.S. Right. What's that Canadian? <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> add, th- add about 30%. That's a lot, huh? So how That's did about he, $50 million Canadian. How many games did he get into this season? I actually completely didn't follow any Tulo 2019. I don't know. So like eight or something? I don't know, and I don't care. All I know is he said he enjoyed his time. All right, in Toronto, should we? Now here's a big question: should we, retire, should we retire his number two? Are you out of your mind? Are you mad? <laughs> Who else wore number two for the Jays? Steve Staggs wore number. two. I don't remember Steve. No, he doesn't remember <laughs> you either. I'm just trying to think. Who else wore number two for the? I mean, two. was Manny Lee number two? Yeah, or Man- Nelson Liriano? No, I got the, Manuel Lee. Manuel Lee, right? No, he was four. No, okay. Alfredo Griffin was four. But was yeah Amazing. one of those? Li- Nelson li- Liriano was two. Yeah. Okay, okay, yeah. So Nelson Liriano, great. Come on. <laughs> It doesn't matter where you live. You always want to hear that an athlete or performer enjoyed their time in your little corner of the world. You just but do. isn't that human nature? Yeah, I think so. So it doesn't matter where you live. You like it. Hey, it was great being in. It's like validation. Like, exactly. Uh, I'm living like in the right place. It. You know, it's like it's like Sally Field at the uh, at the uh, Emmy Award at the uh, Academy Oscars. Awards. You love us. You really, really love. You love me. You really, really love me. Uh, that's why we're so interested in hearing from anybody, but especially a guy like Kawhi Leonard, who talked more in one day than he did in his entire season with the Raptors. Do you know that? He Ex- spoke excluding with, the chef. Right. Oh, yeah, no, I'm talking... Right. Um, well, yeah. I mean, he, 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 you couldn't shut him up, Kawhi Leonard. You couldn't shut the guy up. He's home. He wanted to talk about everything, everything. I want to thank the Toronto Raptors fans, he said in the press conference. I don't have social media, so I'm not able to put out a paragraph or whatever. Everybody laughed at that. So rather than going on social media, like most people, he decides he's going to let it all hang out at this press conference where the owner of the Clippers, Steve Ballmer, is the greatest cheerleader in the history of the world. It doesn't, I, I, this is the guy I want running my company. This is, the, what a cheer, high, first of all, the most awkward high fives is when an owner of a team tries to high five a guy he's paying you know, hundreds of millions of dollars. So it's hysterically funny. But he's like, whoa, yeah. He reminds me of the Chris Farley character. Yeah, oh, he, you know, or, and Ma, Randy Macho Man Savage. He just, oh yeah, oh way over the top, Macho way way over the top. So Kawhi Leonard says um, uh, he thanks the doctor who delivered his now almost four month old son at Mount Sinai Hospital. He thanks his former teammates. Text, FaceTime me, and we'll talk. He says this, like suddenly now it's like, oh, I, oh yeah, I'm into social media now. If you want to get in touch with me, text me, FaceTime me. Those aren't he didn't social know, media. He didn't, but the thing is, he never, he didn't never discuss texting or, or FaceTiming or anything when he was here. We thought he was, you know, he was, uh, he's completely off the grid when it came. He knows what's going on. Anyone that says, I don't read into the papers, they read the papers. Anyone says, I don't have social media, they, <laughs> people are telling them what's going on. Don't you kid yourself. Um, I also, this is a good one. I also just want to thank the city as far as the restaurants giving up that Kawhi and dine throughout the playoffs. I, t- I took advantage of that, he said. Now, do you really think Kawhi went to any of these restaurants and got a freebie? Maybe, but he would have left a monster tip. But the other thing is, look, everyone's got a phone. Why did we not see any photo, fo- like, until the end of the season, why did we see no photos of all, at all, of, of Kawhi existing in Toronto? Mike, None. There were no. Did anyone see any photo, any pictures? No, it's like uh, of Kawhi Leonard Goodfellas. existing in Toronto. He comes through the back kitchen. They yeah. have a special spot yeah. for him in the back, and no, no photos allowed. Like <laughs> nothing. Not a, until at the season was over, and someone saw him at a restaurant, and in Niagara Falls, and and at a Walmart or a, a Home Depot. Home Depot. But yeah. F- but prior Buying to that, boxes. but prior to that, there were no photos of Kawhi Leonard outside of of the arena. He was none. like Bigfoot, right? They yeah. was trying to. <laughs> yeah. None. None whatsoever. So I don't think he went to the restaurants, but it would, would have been great. Huh? They I, could retire the number two as a hybrid, like a Raptors-Jays yeah. hybrid right. for and then Tulo the, and Kawhi. 
the best one was this. They, someone said to him, well, what did you think of those helicopters following you? And he said he was surprised. I didn't know what they were looking for. Really? What did he think? <laughs> like, really? Kawhi? Like, you're, th- you're telling me you're that obtuse. That, that you wouldn't have realized, even had a, a scintilla uh, of interest in what all those millions of fans that were cheering think- your name during the parade, you think they just all went on holidays? They didn't care if you came back to Toronto or signed with the team? Are you nuts? That's his dry wit. <coughs> it's a, he's, he's a very funny man. Fun guy. He's yeah, a fun, fun guy. guy. Uh, anyway, the decision to leave Toronto said Kawhi was never about championship aspirations. He said it was his duty, his duty to win the Raptors a title. And having done that, he was ready to move on. Now, Leonard is from Riverside, California. So it's about an hour east of L.A., of the Staples Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Paul George is from Palmdale, California, which is about an hour north of the Staples Center uh, in, in L.A., in the 213. Uh, I just wanted to play at home, said Kawhi. Our families are now able to come to games. But just from my own thinking, it's like we're in the NBA. I've played eight years already. Eight years can fly by so fast. And we're not able to do anything with our families eight or nine months of the season. Now we can. So it's okay, Kawhi. Because I'd be the same way. It makes sense. I want to spend time with my family. Um, We loved it when Johnny T did the same thing. Yeah, exactly right. I mean, I get that. So good on Kawhi. But enough already. But don't you feel we're over it? I feel like as a as a most of us, like the yeah. vast majority of Raptor fans, have already like come. Oh, to, oh come, yeah, we're already accepting of this reality. But we still want to know what he thinks. Not. Oh, we look. Okay. Sportsnet sent Brad Fay there. I don't. I don't know if TSN had a reporter there. But I mean, it was like we're there for a year after his Toronto press conference. They're there in L.A. and 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 then it's and then it's a beautiful thing of media talking to media, which I love. Because you're not going to get your one-on-one with Kawhi or Paul George, right. but you're going to get your one-on-one with whoever the ESPN reporter is, or right. Rachel Nichols, or you know any. Or, or, uh, Jalen Rose has disappeared. Geez, I can't understand that. <laughs> but I mean, this is He's this is your low. classic media media. Right. Let's get someone from the U.S. media. Let's ask their opinion of it, and now we've got ourselves a story. But basically, it comes down to this: What did Kawhi say about Toronto? Did he say everything nice about Toronto? What did he say? What did he say? What did he say? And he said, you know, the right things. And he delivered the championship. So let's turn the page on this obsession with Kawhi Leonard, okay? Three words. Thank you, Kawhi. Exactly. In golf, John Rahm uh, leads the uh, opening round of the World Golf Championships, the FedEx St. Jude Invitational, eight under par, shot a 62 and leads by three shots. Top Can- uh, the only Canadian, actually, is Corey Connors of Listowel, of Letterkenny, Ontario. Right. Of Listowel, Ontario. Letterkenny he's at, problems. He's at uh, minus three. Uh, the women are playing the Avion Championship. Canadians Brooke Henderson and Elena Sharp are well back in the field, tied for 44th place right now. This weekend, I'll be playing a beautiful crosswinds track in Burlington. First time this week, because I was away in Ohio. Right. And I managed to play a course called the Dayton Country Club. Uh, a Donald Ross design course. Donald Ross, one of the great golf architects of all time. And let me tell you, you had to be a... Um, you had to be a burrow, okay? You had to be a mule, a mountain goat, a sheep to climb these hills, like up and down, like just man, a mountain goat up there. Uh, a lot of blind shots, a lot of shots where you hit your ball and you go, oh, that looks pretty good. And then you, you, get, you go over the hill and you're going, where's my ball? Uh-huh. Where'd it go? I, I saw it. So I, I'm not a big fan of blind shots. But anyway, it was, it was very nice, nice golf course, private course there. Uh, but nothing really compared to crosswinds in Burlington. I mean, where they treat you like you're, like you're a member of a private course, even though it's public golf. Beautiful views. Uh, I can't think of any blind shots at crosswinds. I can't think of weirdly irregular lies or greens that are sloped like, you know, and they're 16 and a half on the stimp meter, you know, which means if you, if you sneeze, your ball like rolls off the, off the green. Like way too fast. But Crosswinds is a good, fair test of golf. And I suggest you go to crosswindsgolf.com, book your tee time online, save big. And if you're looking to get married or you know someone that's looking for a, uh, a facility, tell them about Crosswinds. It's just beautiful. Banquets and weddings and special events and golf tournaments and stuff like that. We're looking forward to the live stream from Crosswinds at some point. You know what? I think we might have to do that. Let's talk a little hockey now because we're Canadian, right? And hockey season really never ends. And you know what? Every arena in the city, every arena that I know is booked. There's no opportunity for any ice time anywhere. They're booked. People are getting ready for next season. There's adult summer hockey. There's kids hockey camps. Every NHL player, by the way, you know that. Every current and former NHL player has a hockey camp of some sort. You know that, eh? Sometimes it's a week. When I was a kid, I went to the Hamilton Red Wing hockey camp. It was in Bracebridge every year. It was a week. 
it was a camp, right? You'd go in the morning, right? You'd play a little hockey, you'd play a little shinny. Sure. You know, you'd take your hockey stuff off, you'd swim in the afternoon, whatever. You go back, play more hockey. And it was for a week. And you got to meet your NHL heroes or even your OH, your junior hockey heroes. So everybody's got hockey camps going. And that means, you know, you got to be on the best blades. You got to get Tide and Blades. They're our sponsor. Uh, Tide and Blades, skate faster, be better. Go to TideandBlades.com. All the pros are wearing them. Why aren't you? Made of precision Russian steel, custom fit for your style of skating. Because that's the way hockey blades are. It's not like you buy the skates and it's like, oh, I got to skate on these blades, right? You can get your own blades, man. Get them at Titan Blades. So the Toronto Maple Leafs made a trade. They acquired defenseman Jordan Schmaltz from the St. Louis Blues in exchange for blue liner Andreas Borgman. No, not Jaden Schwartz. <laughs> Jordan Schmaltz. Never heard of him? He's never heard of you either. 25 years old, recorded two assists in 20, season, uh, 20 games with the Blues last year and had uh, nine points at the AHL level with the San Antonio... What's the name of the San Antonio team in the American Hockey League? No clue. The Rampage. Can't believe you don't know that. <laughs> I can't believe you don't know that. I'm going to get you a San Antonio... I don't know lots of things. I'm going to get you a San Antonio Rampage t-shirt. To I'd, wear your collection, okay? I'd wear that. I'd wear that. Borgman made 45 appearances with the Marlies last year. He had uh, 17 points and he played... Uh, he played some games with the Leafs. He played 48 games with the Leafs in 2017, 2018. Three goals and 11 points. You know, I don't remember any of them. I do not remember Andreas <laughs> Borgman playing for the Leafs in oh, 2017, I, 2018. I do. Not a word. Don't know what number. Don't know if he shoots <laughs> left or right. Nothing about him. Still no word on Mitchell Marner, who loves Toronto. Loves Toronto. He's from here. Loves it. Why would he ever want to leave his hometown? What excuse could he make? Oh, I want to be closer to my family. Bullshit. <laughs> you don't want to be, your, your, your family's right here. Your folks are at all the games. Your mom does the dance and wiggle. Everybody knows what your mom looks like. Your dad, everybody, come on. You're not leaving Toronto, right? So sign a goddamn contract. But the Leafs know this. They know this. They know that it would kill Mitch Marner to make a point to leave the Maple Leafs, to say, nope, not signing. So they've got him. I think they got him. Um, and so he hasn't signed. And also, too, he sort of got this packed with uh, William Nylander who last year, you know, same thing. Oh, yeah, I love Toronto, blah, blah. Yeah, sure you do. And he held out until December and pissed everybody off, and then had a lousy season. We don't want that. So somebody's got somebody's to give here. What about the uh, Clarkson trade? I just remember that happened <sighs> since you last recorded. Well, Clarkson, though, he's from your area here, though. Mimico. Yeah, I but, know. Yeah, but he, he's uh, he an injured he, reserve. But he didn't contract. start his career with the, he didn't. He wasn't drafted by the Leafs and developed No, 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 Leafs I guess my point is right. uh, that transaction seems to be like i don't I, I'm, I'm trying to understand the cap stuff it's very complicated actually but mm. that whole transaction seems to be a move uh anticipating uh marner not starting the season with the leafs like it has to do with cap space and i don't know if you're a cap scientist who can cap, a capologist <laughs> right 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 and i saw somebody had a thread on twitter which explained it and i'm not going to be able to regurgitate it effectively. no don't and don't i won't even try but <laughs> but that move seems to suggest that uh Dubis is preparing to start the season without Mitch Marner in the line. Yes, yes. I, you know, and I think that would be the prudent thing to do. You have to prepare for the worst. Expect the best, prepare for the worst. The same with the Jays with Stroman. Except, you know, what's the, what's the downside? The worst with Stroman is, you know, he, you don't trade him, you keep him. The worst with Marner is you don't have him. Right. He's unsigned. He's sitting there. He sits. Like a bump on the log while you're trying to develop, you know, trying to get your line combos going. You're not going to have Zach Hyman for the first part of the season. You're going to do some line shuffling. Who's Tavares going to play with? Who's Austin Matthews going to play with? What about Nylander? What about Kapanen? What about Janssen? And Marner's going to fit in there as your top scorer. But if he's not playing, and then he finally does sign in December at the deadline like uh, Nylander, and the expectations are going to be high for the kid. So somebody's got to knuckle under. Someone's going to have to, and, and maybe not knuckle under. Maybe they actually come to an agreement. Maybe they both sides go, okay. It's like when you buy a house. You know, you think, oh, we got a great deal. And then you find out that the buyer, that the seller also felt that they got a great deal. That's what you want. You want both sides to think that they got a good deal. That was a fair deal for both sides. Not that you rip the other side off. But of course, the fans, you can't convince the fans of that when the fans find out. Right? They paid how much for Marner? He's not worth the Austin Matthews money. Blah. So now that, now that everyone knows what everyone else makes, it just, just becomes an exercise in futility after a while. And then and what if Marner signs and he signs for whatever the equivalent of 12-8? Are people going to go, 12-8? Boy, he got ripped off there. should have asked for more money. Blah, blah, blah. Come on. Hmm. Um, 
Anyway, uh, oh yeah. So Titan Blades, uh, TitanBlades.com, skate like the pros. I'm pretty sure Mitch Marner, part of the deal is he's got to have the Titan Blades. Because, man, who skates like that without... Dubas should insist upon it. Without the best skate blades. Uh, go to TitanBlades.com, skate like the pros. So here's another case of Wimbledon fatigue. By, by the way, have you seen any tennis at all since Wimbledon? No. Nope. Nothing? They nope. haven't played. But that's not uncommon for no, me. But, no, but <laughs> I don't mean that. Oh, I'm just right. saying that they haven't been entered. Like Nadal hasn't played. Federer hasn't played. Djokovic has not, Nobody's played. There hasn't been any tournaments to speak of. And if there have been, they're not important enough tournaments where, where these guys want to play or gals. So there's, just, there's been this lull for the last few weeks when it comes to tennis. The Rogers Cup is in a few weeks. It's the first, is it the first week in uh, August? Yeah. And so uh, the men are in Montreal and the women are in Toronto this year. And Novak Djokovic has now joined Roger Federer in withdrawing from the Rogers Cup in Montreal. Oh, so, and let's face it, it was a very demanding run at Wimbledon. Uh, he won his 16th Grand Slam title, beat to Federer in the final in a fabulous match. And he says he's going to require more time to recover before beginning his hardcourt season. Now, this is bullshit. I mean, it is. I mean, it, it, you allow these guys to be able to pick and choose that they want to play. It's like the Tiger Woods thing. Oh, I'll play in the majors. Maybe in a couple of other ones, right? But that's their right. Like, you can't force... No. A guy to play a tournament? No, that's true. But, um, I mean, Federer had announced before Wimbledon that he wasn't going to play in Montreal. So Djokovic, what, what's he waiting around for? Like, was he, was he planning on coming and something came up? Like, like his, his kid's birthday party? <laughs> oh, I can't go, to, can't go to the Rogers in Montreal. I got my kid's birthday party in Serbia. Come on. <laughs> so I, I just, you know, if I was in Montreal and I had tickets, again, I'm like, come on. Uh, I told you I went to buyer beware. I went yeah. to a bunch of Raptor games. I never saw Kawhi Leonard play. I, I right. got my tickets for the one and only tennis tournament in my town. And now you're telling me Feds isn't playing, and now Joker's not playing again. And what is Nadal the next to pull out? And what's going on here? So I just feel bad. And and obviously tournament organizers are like, oh jeez, we got no Djokovic, we got no Federer, but they got we, Felix, we, oh, right? That's we got the, no uh, oh, uh, Juan Martin Del Potro also withdrawing from the tournament. Although he says I like Montreal too. That's the other thing. I'm going to get, as Djokovic says, I'm sorry to announce that I decided to pull out of the Rogers Cup. With the support of my team, I've decided to give my body longer rest and recovery time before coming back again to play. I love Canada, and I have many friends there that always make me feel like I'm at home, and I'm looking forward to coming back again to play all in front of you in Montreal. A P.S. Next year, it's Toronto. That's how much he loves. I just love Canada. I'm just going to say. He loves Montreal what, more. What year are we in? Uh, so next year. Oh, I just want to say to the people in Toronto, I hope to be there next year. And maybe I'll see you in two years in Montreal. <laughs> and, you know, if you go back over the last number of years, then look, you're entitled to withdraw from tournaments. I just, you know, it's like when Jeannie Bouchard didn't want to play. Was it Fed Cup or something? And everyone was like, well, like why are we going to go? She was like uh, Canada's sweetheart. Right. I don't like that. I, at least on the men's side, there's the Canadians alone are sort of a big-time draw in uh, Montreal, I'd say. Right? You've got some uh, some studs there, just uh, just on the men's, uh, like Chapeau and uh, right. Felix. Oh, okay. So last on our last episode, I had asked you, you know, like when Shane Lowry won the British Open Golf, and they all went yeah, crazy the for Irish him. He's Ireland, Northern Ireland, whatever. Would, would Canadians go wacko across the country if Chapeau or Felix Auger-Aliassime won the Rogers Cup? You asked, I think you asked asked about golf. golf. I asked about golf. (laughs) If Adam Hadwin won the Canadian Open golf. No one's going nuts over that. No, like, uh, but, but, but when a Canadian wins like Wimbledon, for example, or the US Open, uh, there's, it's going to be a much bigger topic here. But the, the, but the pressure on the, on the hometown player, regardless of what country it is, you know, you're playing at home, right? They expect more from you. You expect, so a Canadian tennis player playing in Canada, the expectations are higher. Right? You're going to play in front of your home crowd. Marginally, so I think, sure. So I think there'd be more pressure. Seriously, I think there'd be more pressure on Milos or, or you know, Chapo or Felix or, or uh, Bianca Andreescu to win their home tournament, the Rogers at home, than it would be to win a major. No. The pressure on that person. Yeah, because they're not expected to win the major, but you're expected to perform well at home. I think the majors are the majors, and uh, I think we're gonna have to ask. I, 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 don't, I honestly don't believe that Denny Shapovalov felt that much pressure to win at Wimbledon. But if he's playing in front of the hometown crowd in Canada, yeah, he'd feel some pressure. That's just me. That's because I would feel that pressure at home because <laughs> all the local media, all the all the, all the Canadian media, what's it like playing at home? Blah, blah, that kind of thing. And it's the added pressure of your friends asking for tickets. You know, you're you're at home. You're everyone wants to know how are you going to do. How are you gonna, whereas if you're in New York for the U.S. Open and you're from Canada, who gives a flying, f- you know, whatever? Or you're you know in Australia, 
But yeah, winning winning at home. Maybe not so much for the Americans because like Americans don't root for other Americans anyway. It's like not everyone in the United States is not going, oh, we hope an American's gonna win, unless there's only one or two Americans on the tour. Right? What are you looking at? Looking at a Periscope comment that uh, someone agrees with you that uh, locally you feel more pressure. Okay, so there you go. Was it, was it Felix? Is Felix watching? Because, yeah, he would feel a little more pressure. So, yeah, that's, that's, kind, of my, that's kind of my take on the, the pressure that someone would feel. And, again, in the United States, it's regional. Okay? If you're playing a tennis tournament in Ohio and you're from Ohio, you're going to get that you know, regional kind of, a, hey, he's, from, he's an Ohio guy, a little more so. But in Canada, you're playing, you're from any part of Canada, you're playing in Canada, you're playing on the world stage, there's okay, way more Milos pressure. Milos he? you think he feels more pressure playing in Montreal than he would playing in London? In yep. Yes, I do. Because not everyone in London is asking him all about Canada. Not everyone from London is from, you know, um, the Canadian media. He's getting a little sprinkle here and there. And it's not about his Canadianism. It's about how you're playing. But in Canada, they're asking him, you're Canadian. You grew up in Canada. You're Tennis Canada. You worked out in Canada. Your family from Canada. What's it like representing Canada? Carrying the weight of Canada on your shoulders, Milos. But you agree that Canadians generally would be more excited if Milos wins Wimbledon versus Milos winning the Rogers Cup. I agree that they would. As a nation, we would be more excited because he won. He beat the best in, in a major tournament. Right. But, best, but, best on best. But, but you know, in, in, in the context of you're playing in Toronto or in Montreal, the games are being shown on Canadian TV with Canadian... I think Canadian broadcasters do tennis still, or do they just pick up the U.S. feed now? I don't even know anymore. <laughs> I don't know. No, I can't tell anymore. I don't know. Right? So there's a question to ponder. And uh, speaking of which, uh, we're out of time. Well, we're really not out of time because there is no time limit to this show. What is time, Hebsey? Well, we, yeah, we hope that you enjoyed episode number 122 of Hebsey on Sports. Thanks to Toronto Mike for production and inspiration. He's got a great podcast as well that you should listen to. Hit him up at Toronto Mike. His most recent guest, former Toronto Star sports columnist Dave Perkins, who's a real good storyteller. Unbelievable two hours of perk. So it's a sports-related show, so we're, that's why we're pumping it. If he was talking about music, we wouldn't give a shit. But it's sports. Uh, thanks to our sponsors, CrosswindsGolf.com and TidenBlades.com. Without them, we wouldn't have a show, and you'd have to listen to, well, you'd be listening to all of Mike's podcasts. So please patronize our sponsors. And if you're looking for a good book to read, check out The Greatest Athlete You've Never Heard Of. I'm selling five of these books today to Kevin from Alberta. He's taking them back to Alberta. It's about the first Canadian to win an Olympic gold medal, George Washington Orton who was thought to be an American for over seven decades. Why would they think that when his name was George Washington Orton? Uh, Orton was paralyzed at the age of three, told by doctors he would never walk again. What did he do? He went on to become a gold and bronze medalist at the Olympics in the steeplechase and the hurdles. He spoke nine languages and was responsible for having numbers placed on football jerseys in 1914. Can you believe that? Prior to that, they didn't have, there's no numbers on jerseys. You know, they didn't start in baseball putting numbers on baseball uniforms until 1929. Who is that guy over there? I don't know. I don't know. There's no number on his back. Well, who does he look like? I don't know. He's wearing a baseball cap like all the other guys. Uh, anyway, if you want to buy the book, uh, I, would, I would love for you to uh, read it and uh, let me know what you think. Uh, you can get it where fine books are sold via Amazon or Indigo or any of those places on, on the Internet. Thanks for allowing us into your headspace. Back with another episode shortly. Until then, so long for now.